Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Austin is adapting to and building the future in real time. I'm Michael Scharf. We are exploring and driving our transformation into the next innovation powerhouse. I'm Jason Scharf. I'm a bio-researcher at UT to the assembly line worker at Tesla, from the musician on 6th Street to the coder at Dell. And with the founders, funders, and early employees of the next great startup, we are all Austin Next. Regardless of your politics, there's no denying that the U.S. and perhaps the world's economies are headed for a rough patch. Economies that grow quickly can be more brittle and swing from good to bad more than a larger, more stable region. Given the growth of the Austin Central Texas area over the past few years, the question is, how resilient is the Austin economy and are we ready for what comes next? Today, to answer the question, we're joined by Roland Pena, Senior VP, Global Technology and Innovation with Opportunity Austin and the Austin Chamber of Commerce. His responsibilities include strategic outreach, program development of global initiatives and collaborations that support the continued investments, growth, and success of entrepreneurship and innovation in the Austin region. Roland's 30-plus year track record in economic development is repeat with successes and the development of ongoing project pipelines that achieve year-over-year growth. Managing relationships, developing initiatives, and successfully guiding businesses through the design and launch of new products, services, and investment opportunities. Roland serves as a member of both the state and national trade organizations, the Texas Economic Development Council, and the International Economic Development Council. Most recently, Roland and his team developed and launched a startup funding database tracking funding for early stage companies in the Austin area. This will be a great resource for everyone looking to understand what's next, Austin. Roland, welcome to the Austin Next Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Michael. Jason? We want to start at the national level, and if this is a normal economic cycle, I think everybody kind of knows what's going to happen. A couple of quarters of negative GDP, and then growth begins to resume, and altogether it's you know a year or, or 16 months of issues. Alternatively... This kind of looks like the accumulation of a bunch of unique things. We're coming out of COVID. The labor force is down. And I'm glad I'm not an economist because I don't know what's next. So when you look at the Austin regional data, what's it tell us? Michael, so I am not an economist, but I tend to focus on jobs. That's where we spend a lot of our time. Obviously, the economy... Division of the Austin Chamber uh, does focus on creation of jobs, attraction of jobs, attraction of talent. So let's start there. And I put up um, a slide. If you look at this slide, you can see that Austin has 70,000, almost 71,000 more jobs than it did a year ago, 12 months, ending the month of July, making it the seventh best performing among the top 50 metros. And I think that's that's important. And we'll, for our listeners, we'll put all of the links to all of these slides in the, in the show notes. Okay, excellent, excellent. 
notice the trajectory because that's that's going to be important as you as we go all the way to 2008 you can see the upward tra trajectory you'll see the downturn at uh, 2020 obviously covid and, and you obviously know the the prior years when when we took dips the minor recessions but l notice they're they're minor they one to two years maybe one and a half years max as, as you look at that the other thing that's important is that austin made up all of 2020s pandemic related job losses by May of 2021 and the metro ranks first for job growth since February of 2020. Now, if you look at that graph and when our listeners look at that graph, if you just erase the the reaction to covid, it looks like it just continued the same slope, the same rate of increase. It's like by the beginning of the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, nothing happened. Those of us that lived through all this, we know lots of things happened, but it looks like a smooth line, which, which I kind of find amazing. How are we driving such a consistent rate of growth in jobs? I will say that since 2004, we embarked on a strategic plan and if you remember the early 2000s, everyone went through the dot-com bust. We lost somewhere around 45,000 jobs. Hence the creation of Opportunity Austin. Opportunity Austin is the regional economic development initiative here in Austin. It took the private sector who collaborated, brought everybody together and said, we need to diversify. That is what you're seeing today. That's what makes us much more successful. You know, if I can use that illustration, the Metro ranks first for job growth since February of 2020. Now, if you look at that graph, and when our listeners look at that graph, if you just erase the, the reaction to COVID, it looks like it just continued the same slope, the same rate of increase. It's like by the beginning of the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, nothing happened. Those of us that lived through all this, we know lots of things happen, but it looks like a smooth line, which, which I kind of find amazing. How are we driving such a consistent rate of growth in jobs? I will say that since 2004, we embarked on a strategic plan. And if you remember the early 2000s, everyone went through the dot-com bust. We lost somewhere around 45,000 jobs. Hence the creation of Opportunity Austin. Opportunity Austin is the regional economic development initiative here in Austin. It took the private sector who collaborated, brought everybody together and said, we need to diversify. That is what you're seeing today. That's what makes us much more successful. You know, if I can use that illustration, we tend to say, that we're always last into a recession and first out. So we're a check mark. And if you look at that, that's almost a check mark. Let me show you another slide, if that's okay. This basically shows you that Austin is the best performing metro in the country with 9.1% change. That means it was a significant number of jobs and only 33 other top 50 metros have regained their pre-pandemic levels, but we lead all major metros in terms of the number of jobs percentage-wise created. 
do see here that three of the top five are Austin, Dallas, and Fort Worth. So there is a, uh, a bit of a connection there. That's right. That's right. Uh, obviously, Texas, uh, with five of the fastest growing, uh, most popular cities in the country, is doing well. And the other thing is, and if you probably already know it and have heard it, we have the Texas Triangle, right? So Austin resides at the center of that Texas Triangle. Uh, we have a lot of, in fact, something like 51.3% of those migrating to Austin come from elsewhere, Texas. And I tend to think it's the big portion is from the Texas Triangle, those other metros who are moving here because of opportunity and the jobs that we're helping to create. Yeah, the Texas Triangle, for those that, that missed our episode, is Dallas-Fort Worth, Austin-San Antonio, and Houston. So in that case, we're already being mixed with the San Antonio to create the mega region, which is great. But it really shows up in terms of this kind of growth. I want to get back to what you mentioned just a minute ago with the formation of Opportunity Austin, the, the Economic uh, Development Council. This has been tried in a whole bunch of areas. And the biggest issue that I've seen is that very, very rarely can you get a group of civic leaders to come into a, a room to check their egos, their politics, and their individual agendas at the door. And just like you said, hey, the dot-com boom hit Austin hard. We lost 45,000 jobs. What are we, everybody around the table and everybody that they represented, going to do to come up with a better plan? How does something like that happen here in Austin? As fractious as I've seen this city in the last almost two years that we've been here, I'm just trying hard to imagine that. It's that um, the magic of the phrase, keep Austin weird. So, okay. it, and most people think that has a negative connotation, but I uh, will point to, I, I think Austin's authentic. We're genuine. We're collaborative. And when something as significant as a downturn in the economy and you're losing jobs, something of that significant happens. I think we rally together and it's, it's, it's very impressive. You, you are correct. Um, to take five counties, 17 municipalities, 25 communities and bring them together, bring these economic development organizations and bring the private sector together in pursuit of diversifying the economy, uh, in pursuit of prosperity for not only the companies that we recruit, but the businesses and companies that exist to help them continue to expand, be sustainable and grow. And also for the people that we employ. We talk about this happened in 2004, post the dot-com. And I've seen in other regions, the burning platform does kick people to kind of come together, right? You have those people kind of come together and many times organizations are formed from them. One of the things that I've seen post is, okay, you've got this new organization, we've, we're solving or we have a plan moving forward. The people who were the drivers behind the, hey, we've got a moment here that we have to get together, go off, do other things, retire, whatever those be. And you have the kind of the organizational drift, right? Then those kind of, New people come in, and it's not that same kind of 
either, either collaborative nature or just this, you know, many times some people take over nonprofits. It's very personal. Like this is my next step. I'm going to do those kinds of things. Right. And then there's no problem with that. How have we seen that, you know, once the burning platform was over now, it's an interesting point because you, the graph you had went back to 08. So I didn't see kind of how it shifted through them, but okay. Oh, four things kind of got together. Then we obviously had the great recession, but the thing was, it looked about like 2010, you had just basically that straight lineup, right? So something has maintained through at least the two uh, things. And do you see one is, is it all the players are still involved? My sense is probably not. There's been some shift. And two, have we seen either different organizations or have organizations had more of a continuous North star that allowed them to kind of keep the egos in check going forward? So let me outline perhaps or create a visual, right? So we have Opportunity Austin that was created and it's funded by some 325 or 340 what we call investors. These are the the civic most influential, if you will, you want to call it that? Wait, 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 that, hold, hold on just a second. Opportunity Austin is privately funded? Correct. Okay, because of my experience in that other state, every time you had an EDC, it was like TOT taxes or some other tax base that funded it. Okay. It, 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 so, so it's private sector funded. Um, some of the municipalities, including the city of Austin, participate. But it was built in that their participation would be minimal because they wanted, they wanted it to be private sector driven. So they're a participant, they're involved, they're, they're investors, but their participation is, is a, a lower amount. However, it is, it is a private nonprofit corporation, has no employees, and they contract with the Austin Chamber and their staff to execute the plan. It's a five-year plan, and every two and a half years, they do a mid-course review, and they determine what needs to change, how do we pivot, what needs to be revised, and it's been operating that way since, 2000, since 2004. This year, uh, we're on our fourth year, guess the fourth plan, uh, so next year we'll end, we'll end this five-year plan, and we've already issued an RFP this year for the next strategic plan, and we're, ex we're excited about it because there's, there's so much that's been happening, and I will say, that as a result of the effort and as, as a result of being able to keep the investors together, keeping, keeping the entire region together, we're servicing the fruit of, of that labor. And so it's been nonstop. I mean, it's during a potential, you know, if you want to call it a dip in the economy, if you want to call it a recession, it's been nonstop for us. We continue to market. We continue to, to be active. We continue to engage um, consultants, site selectors, we call on companies, we do our own research, but it's nonstop. And I think that's important. What tends to happen during a recession, economic development, you probably know this, Mike, but what tends to happen with economic development organizations is when a recession hits, it's when they determine, do we still have the funding? So having come, my background has been in economic development for many, many years. And at one point I, w I worked for a uh, utility company and we had a large staff and when we, recession came, we were eliminating staff and some of those services, which did not make any sense at the, at the time. But that tends to happen. It hasn't happened here in the Austin Metro. I will also say this. We get consultants from all over the country and now, most recent, from all over the world who are studying Austin, who want to know what is it? 
What is the secret sauce? Why are you guys so successful? And they come here. It is crazy. They come here and we've had them in this room from all competitors, right? Because we're competing against them. And they come here and they want to learn what makes you guys so successful. And, and, and I will say it's, it's nonstop. We continue operating under the strategic plan. We have a mission to accomplish and, and we're committed to that. I want to break, turn down the term plan here and understand a little bit more of what you guys have in it, because one of the things that I've seen in ecosystems is the more highly top down driven they try to be, the less successful they are. You know, when you look at, you know, some cities that have tried to, hey, we're going to do this gigantic redevelopment and create the new skyline and here's going to be, you know, a Ferris wheel of this or that, et cetera. And after, you know, 20 years, it's not there, right? Versus as we're recording this, you know, the water line was just uh, officially named. You know, we have, I, I like to point to, you know, the Google Tower is a great example of like, nobody told them to make a new addition and interesting to the skyline. They wanted to, right? So, so one of the things it seems to be here is that a lot is enabled to grow, right? Like go do your thing and that creates interesting opportunities. So when you say the strategic plan, like what, what is in the plan? What is the, the basis to try to do that? Still allow that freedom for the ecosystem to do its thing. Yeah. So one of, them, one of it is diversification. So we made a decision to, to, and had an initial amount of targeted industries, right? And so that's in there and that continues to, to evolve. And, and I don't have it here and I could, I could pull it up. I may, yeah, let me pull this up for you if, if it's okay. This uh, pie chart will show you some of the projects that we're working on right now. These, what we, hot and active projects are projects that are basically those projects that are, have shortlisted Austin, they're on the ground, they're making site visits, they're about to make a decision when within uh, six to 18 months. That These are our hot projects, month over month. But if you look at, at the type of project and see the diversification, who would have thought that we would have had defense? Who would have thought that we would have had uh, automotive? So, so we're looking at here at 267 active projects from everything from manufacturing, clean tech, automotive, semiconductor, software, life science, food and beverage, finance, defense, data center, and who knows what kind of fun stuff's sitting in that <laughs> other category. It, it, exactly. R&D is what we put in the other category. Uh, but but he, here's the thing. 2004, I don't think those those targeted industries were even imagined, even food and beverage. And And here's the most amazing part, because coming from the outside... We've looked at Austin because this is now the town that we've adopted as ours. This is our home. And through this process, through, through doing the podcast, we've come up with a series of what we called Austin superpowers. Now, several of them are cultural, so we kind of understand the people had something to do with it. But one of them is our diversification. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because... What you're, what you're showing us here, and we'll put this up for the listeners because you'll be amazed. What you're showing us is that this is intentional and that intention is now, 18 years later after the development of Opportunity Austin, still bearing fruit and bearing fruit in an amazing way. And this also supports the other theory that we've talked about a lot, 
that unlike other cities and metros and states, Austin is purposefully driving to keep a middle class because of these areas here in manufacturing, in clean tech, in automotive, in, in food and beverage and finance, there are always good quality middle-class jobs. You know, I'm sure that part of that other is, is, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and things that take PhDs with postdoc work to even begin to understand. And I'm looking at this and going, everything here supports the maintenance of a middle class. And that's the part that makes Austin so incredible compared to the largest metros in the company in the country. So this is eye-opening and rather amazing. I'm glad you have that reaction. My internal reaction is a sort of a sense of sense of pride. I mean, remember what I told you. So our mission was opportunity, mm-hmm. creation of jobs, right? Alleviating or eliminating poverty. And so when, when we look at what we've done in terms of improving quality of life or what Opportunity Austin has done, better, better said, you can see that our salary ranges have, have increased. So even for the middle skill. And so you look at that and you're, and you're thinking, wow, we, we played a role in that, right? We, we played a role. We brought significant industry that increased those salaries that provided that provided for these families and those that didn't have an opportunity i mean we have we have employers that are tapping that are they're tapping the high schools right tesla is one bae is another we have others that are tapping the high schools and and hiring directly out of high school and making making decent salaries it, it it's amazing so so i take a lot of pride in in what opportunity Austin has been able to accomplish. And, and I'll, I'll mention just another initiative that has received White House recognition. It's a different division in, in the chamber um, and they deal with uh, talent and education. One of the metrics that they have is 70% of all graduating high school students must go on to a four-year institution and seek a, a degree. That's a metric. The remaining 30%, we want them to secure a certificate or a uh, credential to put them on, on a career path to improve the quality of life, maybe land with an employer that'll pay tuition and secure a four-year degree. That is a White House recognized program that we have and for a long time had met that metric or close to that metric beyond any other metro in the state. So I take a lot of pride. And 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 here's here's the the other cool piece of that is that requires staff a lot of our staff will dedicate weekends, evenings to and work, to work with parents, superintendents, counselors to help the students fill out their FAFSA because that's really the first step, right? You've got to fill out the FAFSA. You fill out the FAFSA, then you secure the federal dollars and that makes dollars available for scholarships and so forth, right? You have I to do that. I went through that. I know those Exactly. Yeah. So we have to sit there and help them fill out the FAFSA, help them understand what they're doing. What other chamber in the country is doing that? Who's working with this entire school districts in the entire metro to, to do that? It's, it's amazing, but, but all of us give, give time for, for, for that purpose. But, and and there's, other, there's other pieces in, in, in the strategic plan. One of them is the area that I'm focused on, right? So several years ago, I guess it was around 
uh, perhaps 10, 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago, they determined that, hey, we were losing our startups. They were going elsewhere. The cat, there, wasn't, there wasn't enough capital. There wasn't enough investors here. And so that became an initiative. Let's endeavor on programming for startups. Let's secure more capital. Let's build a partnership with South by Southwest. Let's create this entire program for startups. And we've been successful. You mentioned earlier um, another city and another state. Last year, 2021, you probably already know this, PitchBook ranked Austin as number seven in the country for VC and private equity deal flow and number 10 in the country for VC deal flow. That's Austin, a smaller metro than the, than the east and west coast, right? But that tells me, and in, in addition to some of the data that we're seeing on the new platform, we're seeing that Austin, we have, we have achieved or are achieving the work that we've been giving to the startup ecosystem. So we've been trying to attract investors where we travel abroad in search of capital. And it's all seems to be playing out. It seems to be we're, we're creating this support and advocacy and infrastructure, as you saw by the platform. No other, no other metro in the country has a platform that has captured all of these strategic assets for a startup ecosystem, except Austin. And a great platform it is. So you guys are justifiably proud of it. I was going to, I want to take the flip side for a moment. I love the sector diversification. I think it is, I agree. It's a, it's a big power that we have, especially with the opportunities that it brings in, in terms of mixing knowledge, talent from these different industries. One of the challenges that ends up happening is the ability for very siloed industries. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, my day job is all in life science, right? And so I'm going to, I stick mostly with that space and don't necessarily talk with the food and beverage or the semiconductor people, right? How do we see, you know, Austin trying to drive those, we like to call them creative collisions, especially as we have the growing number of industries, the growing geography. What do you see kind of, you know, whether it's the chamber's role or just the culture, how do we drive that? I, you know, I think that's everybody's role. Um, yesterday, you may have been involved, you know, that we had the, the Queen of Netherlands here visiting and I was at an event there and they had a panel and it was interesting. Someone said, we need, we need to do more to, to bring this ecosystem together. You know, we're growing, right? We're growing. And what I hear the most from, from people, and I, and I get asked this by prospects that we're courting, right? And people that, that had just moved here and they always say, well, aren't you concerned that you're going to lose the culture? Aren't you, aren't you concerned that, that, that the people moving here are going to change the culture or, or, or things won't be the same and there'll be a disconnect, that, that type of thing. We've been growing for 18, 20 years and the culture has not changed. We continue to be collaborative, but I, I think that needs to continue to happen. And here's... This week we had, um, I was at another event besides that one. And, um, and it was a startup that I helped to recruit. And obviously we always trying to get them in, engaged. So there's many ways to get engaged, right? We have a new Austin Venture Association that you interviewed, right? Uh, I, I, I sat on their CS. board. Yes, yeah. yes, CS Freeland. And, um, and they're very proactive. They want to get involved. They've created a new association they want. And I see that. I think that that is what Austin is all about. We. We want to create collaboration. We want to intermingle. Prior to COVID, 
there were meetups on from a from a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday meetups, right? Almost every every tech company had meetups and it was a, it was a great way to to spot talent, right? You could you, you could you could attract talent, right? You you were hosting something at your at your office and you could attract talent from from elsewhere. But but it was a good way to network and 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 socialize and that type of thing. But during COVID, that went online. So those meetups went online. My point is that hasn't stopped. And I think I think that has to continue. We need to do that, continue that and do more more of that. I see a lot of value. That's where the collision takes place. That's where innovation takes place. That's where creativity takes place. And I think you asked the question or maybe it came up earlier, but